I'll tell you what, it's it's a really, it's a unique, uh, put those headphones on. Oh, yeah. You got, you got cans, they call them cans in the, in the industry. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Nice and crisp. <coughs> you know, it's funny, you're coughing. I almost bought something called a cough box, which is, it's just a button that is connected to the microphone. And you're like, you, you would have one sitting right by you and I would have one. And if you have to cough, you push the button and it mutes it just for that one second. That's a good idea. I know, right? And, and uh, no, but these, these ahas are, um, if, you, if you are used to pop or, okay. well, the, the Michigan people <laughs> that call it pop. If you're used yeah, to, we, if, <laughs> we are Michigan people. I, I grew up home. I grew up calling it pop. It's pop. Yeah. It's pop. When you open a can, it goes pop, right? It doesn't go mm-hmm. soda, you know? No, I mean, I'll try one. I'll try one. No, I'm always really? up for trying something new. What is okay. it? Well, it's, oh, dude. Have you never had, uh, have you never had a, uh, like a seltzer water? No. It It's going to be bitter. <laughs> because your brain has associated carbonation with sweetness. Okay. And it's not. No. Well, okay. it's, it it's, has the same bitterness as water. So you got to think it's not bitter, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is your brain has associated the carbonation with sweetness. So your brain is going to be like, where's the sweetness? And it will taste bitter. All right, I'm going to okay. get one. You ready? <clears throat> yeah. Right, hold up. I'm super excited about this now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love my... Did you? You are getting it out of the fridge. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Passion. <sighs> Pineapple passion fruit. This is my favorite oh. aha. No, no sweeteners, no sodium. It's okay. nothing. It's just water, and then they add a tiny bit of mm-hmm. uh, natural flavoring in order to give it the tiniest hint. And I mean, like, yeah. it is a tiny hint. But I've been drinking these so long, I love it. It's great. Because I mean, it has 0% of nothing. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the bag trying to be healthy, and I'm like, well, there's, there, what else, what's in this? <laughs> nothing. Literally nothing. It's carbonated, carbonated water, and that's it. It's just carbonated water. Ready? Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Oh, yes. Here we go. Interesting. Bitter, right? Yeah, it's bitter. It, Which is funny because it's actually not bitter at all, <laughs> but your brain wants to think it is because it's used to the Mountain Dew and used to the Pepsi. Yeah, because you feel like <clears throat> like I got a little, little aftertaste in the mouth a little bit, you, you know? T- do you taste the pineapple or the passion I, fruit? Both. I love them. It's it's so good, but I've been oh. drinking these for so long. They're not bitter anymore. Like my brain has now separated what the carbonation should and shouldn't taste like. And I, I mean, because I remember when I first went to these and I tried one, and I was like, "Oh God, that's terribly bitter." <clears throat> and then the more I drink them, I'm like, "Oh, they're not bitter at all. It's just my brain has always been used to Mountain Dew, man. Just yeah." I mean, and Fago. I mean, oh, you, you mentioned pop, so you gotta, oh, go, gosh. You gotta go Fago. Fago. It's just nothing but like you know, oh, sugar man. and flavor. I mean, <laughs> dude. Well, you know, um, I don't know if uh, if if I ever told you like part of. Oh, I think you, dude. You've listened to the podcast. I have. You've been like now. now one I, of the I'm foundational not a, <laughs> listeners. I, I haven't listened to every single one of them because they are you know fairly long. They're long. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I, I actually try to push. Like, I want to do like two or two and a half hour episodes. <laughs> you're you're trying to go the Joe Rogan route. J- okay. JRE, man, he's yeah. awesome. He's, well, he's the best. He's the best at this. Yeah. And I and I'm not trying to be Joe Rogan or, but like I I want to 
break the mold for what a podcast should be because like people are like podcasts are like an hour long. You don't want to go longer than that. You're going to lose your audience. And I'm like, well, the best in the world proves that it, that's not true. Yeah. He, I mean, and so I like to do things different. I like to, you, you know me, I'm always done things different. Yeah. <laughs> but like when I was in high school, I was addicted to Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. And I mean like when, okay. when you say addicted to Mountain Dew, dude, it was like, um, and I remember this clearly because I was in uh, the advanced choir, uh, which was, they call it chorale. And we would have to get there at 7 a.m. in the morning and we sang from 7 to 8. And then regular choir was at 8 o'clock. But for the advanced choir, we started at 7. And I would bring a bring one dollar or one dollar and quarters because back in you know, 1999 it was one dollar yeah <laughs> it was one dollar for to get a pop from the vending machine yeah and i would go and get a crisp cold mountain dew at 7 a.m and it was i still remember like i can wow. still taste it to this day how it was crisp and i would have one at, at 7 a.m and then i would have one at noon for lunch and then i would have one when i got home from school and then around 5 or 6 p.m., me and Nate, my best friend, would get together and I would go and buy a two liter. And I would drink all of that in a day. Stop. Yeah. And it was pretty average. It was a pretty average day. So, you, I mean, I did, the, I did the math one time. It was something like, it was like three cups of sugar a day equivalent or something like that. Every day for, you know, four years, five years. See, we were never allowed to, um, we never drank a lot of pop growing up. Well, and I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> But I just, you just my, but I, my mom wasn't going to control me when I was at high school. I was no, going to do whatever I wanted. I didn't have the money for that either. I was like, I can either do spend the money on that or like more CDs, you know? Dude, I just, you were a new Covey. I, well, I was uh, someone else before, I was at another place before that that we don't mention, you know, we don't bring up in our house much, but until 10th grade, I, I transferred to New Covenant my 10th grade year. Really? See, yeah. did you know I was a New Covey? Uh, no. What? Dude, I was a New Covey. When were you a New Covey? It, way before you, because, <laughs> dude, you're you're only a year older than me. Right. Um, And I, because of course I'm going to do my research on you before we do a podcast. (laughs) Okay. What did you find? I'm like, what did, what did you find about Ben Chardot? So much. (laughs) So we're going to talk about clubbers in a little bit. Oh, hey, yeah. Bring that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, No, I I was, I was a new Covey um, first grade. So in like 1989. Okay. um, I think my brother and my sister was like 1987, 88, 89. And I went in first grade, I had Mrs. Winters. And I don't think she was there probably a decade later when you went. Because um, you went in 10th grade and then yeah. you graduated. Yeah. Um, see, you, you you were a new Covey graduate. So there was yeah. a girl named Ashley Corin who, um, she was a new Covey. I, dude, I met this girl. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to pull her up right now. She, uh, I met this girl at a, <laughs> at a bar. <laughs> Like three years ago, she's so amazing. She's actually probably listening. Um, uh, Ashley Logan is her name. Do you know who she is? I don't um, think. So. I mean, maybe if I if I see saw a picture of her. Picture. So, of her. like, we got to talking, and she. So she's a um, a pediatric. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she's a pediatric um, doctor yeah. right now. She's a she's a, a pediatrist. Yeah. She her pediatrist. her uh, brother came to our youth group um, a few times with one of the the founding members you could say of our youth group. Cody Naylor was in the same grade as her brother. Cody Naylor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So I did. I met her. Um, 
I met her at Zuby's Tavern on the north oh, side. Yeah. And we'll, like we were just chatting and talking for like an hour. And all of a sudden she's like, yeah, well, you know, I, grew, I went to a little Christian school. And I was like, oh, I did too. And she's like, it's called New Covenant. I'm like, you're what? a new covey. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's like 17 of us in, in, in Michigan. That's like not that many. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I was there during what I would say maybe the the high light years. Um, I graduated in a class of twenty five. Oh wow! Um, which was the largest graduating oh, class yeah. of New Covenant. Um, and the class above me was like nineteen or twenty, like nineteen. And the class below me was like eighteen or seventeen. And so there was a. Gr- a time in our history that it was very, you know, um, it was a small private, it wasn't tiny by any means, but hmm. it was still a small private school. And it was a lot of, you know, cool people that went there. Did you know Mr. Wyatt? Um, was he still yeah. there? Kevin Wyatt? He was a black guy. He, I think he yes, played like the, tr- the trumpet. Um, he does. Uh, I have, man, I have a lot of respect for him. Oh, um, you know him? You know I him know well? Him. I know him like fairly well. You, yeah. You like currently know I mean, him? I knew him. Um, we, like we just talked, uh, we just talked a month or so ago, a couple months really? ago, um, and I went to a an event at New Covenant where I was uh, talking about our teen center, and um, he was there, and he really? is still doing some of the same things he really? does in the community that he was doing 30 years ago, wow. and I was like, and he, when I saw him at, at New Covenant again, he was on the ground, um, sitting on the ground, and he's older than us, like way like a lot he's older. My he's da- our my dad's parents, age. right? Yeah, I think so. He's sitting on the ground doing the same thing he did 20 and 30 years ago, <laughs> talking to like a group of students, and he's surrounded by students, what? by like kids, and he's encouraging them, and he's like building into them. I was like, mm. he hasn't changed a bit. Nope. I mean, he was just like on the ground doing that's, this. I, I was like, this that's is crazy. He, uh, yeah, he, he's he's a good guy. I, it's so funny because I mean. I grew up in rural white America, right? Yeah, we both did. I mean, like I'm very Hazlitt. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I was like East Lansing and then Charlotte. But I, my earliest days, I remember like my first uh, exposure to like colored America mm-hmm. or like the uh, people of color would be Mr. Wyatt and oh. actually the Wyatt family. Okay. And my dad, I remember one of my youngest memories was my dad taught me the black handshake. The black. Oh, and, and, I mean, because like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Is this like one of those Daryl things on the office where he's teaching, he's teaching something like fluffy fingers or something? Or is this, <laughs> is this one of those? Dude, when Daryl teaches Michael Scott. <laughs> no, I know. When well, he what was the saying? He was like, oh gosh. Anyway, so. Whippity, zippity, dippity. Oh, whippity, zippity. Give me the, <laughs> give me the zippity, dippity. Something. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. I mean, because I, I had, I had, had zero exposure um, to any diversity in my life up to that point. And my dad was like, "Yeah, well, when you shake hands with them, you don't just do like the standard handshake. You do the hand, and you like flip it up, and then you go for the the oh. fingers. Like it's a the, the triple handshake. Oh yeah, you, it's like you a know triple, what it is. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's he's like, yeah, that that's what you, you know. The, the, that's what the colored people do. That's and, right. and, and and I was like, <laughs> got it, got it. And I remember I was so stoked. So pumped that weekend, I was heading to church and I couldn't wait to shake Mr. Wyatt's <laughs> hand because I what? got it down. So what happened? Then what did I, Mr. Wyatt do? I crushed it. No, oh, nothing. He nothing. just shook my hand. Just like, shook. Yeah, just like no. He didn't. He didn't notice. Oh, okay. but it's it's like a core memory in my brain. Wow. Of like that time that I got to show him I understood 
how to shake his hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't but know. But he, he seems like the kind of guy anyway. Oh, he would he come up and roll. give you a hug. He just roll with it. Uh, it yeah. was so cool. Um man, I love I'm I miss him. I, I like I it was like a a decade ago, I think I ran into I went to New Covenant and he was still there playing the trumpet on Sunday mornings yeah. or something. And I, I mean, because that's that's one of those memories that stuck. Um, I don't have a lot of memories from that time. It's it's all kind of just like blips oh, here okay. and there. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, well. you associate trauma with young memories, and it just there's not yeah. a lot that comes through. But I like I remember Mr. Y. I don't I don't remember. Well, you know Johnny Kessler. Yeah. So so you I don't I don't know how much uh, history you know from New Covenant because it was put together from Shiloh Fellowship. Yeah. Well, well my, yeah, my mom and dad were part of the initial assembly of Shiloh Fellowship. Okay, that came over with I like didn't... the Kesslers, and um, so like Johnny Kessler, and then the Hearts. I don't know if you know yeah. the Hearts. Oh yeah, like Erica Hart, John Hart. Yeah, um, and like so there was a, like the core group people, and uh, like me and Johnny Kessler are like less than a month apart. Oh. Uh, and then I think Erica Hart is the other one. Erica is a couple years younger than me. Yeah. Paul Hart was Paul. Uh, Paul Hart was like a year younger than that, me. So is Paul Hart. He's my. And, and what it was was the the pastor told the women to get pregnant at certain times, and so they oh, all yeah. got pregnant at the same time, which is. Really, I remember the. It's a level of. Uh, yeah, the, the shepherd <laughs> movement that was going on That's at the what time. It was. I mean, uh, it was it was the. I mean. It, it was the time. It was like the late '80s, and you had um, Nixon. And no, it, it Reagan. was the late night. It was the late '70s because uh, and early '80s because my yeah. parents were a part of that too. Not, not necessarily of the same time frame. The so same Spirit time of Christ frame. Church yeah. that I that I grew up yep. in came out of that same time and yeah. time frame. Yeah, <laughs> like I always joke about like, yeah, I grew up in a cult and be I, like. Well, actually, it kind, <laughs> kind of, of was. really yeah. was a cult. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. harmful necessarily, I mean, but it definitely it, was like it wasn't drinking the Kool Aid necessarily. Yeah, I was sipping like, on it. <laughs> they were sipping on something. It's like a sippy straw Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, but only if they told you what kind to sip. Mm. Only if they told you and when, when to sip it. And when to sip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- like, there's pictures of like my mom, and. Uh, Mrs. Hart, Ter- uh, no, Terry's the dad. I can't remember. Terry, because uh, yep. he had he had the uh, painting business. Yep, Maybe. and it, it was, uh, and then like uh, like Mrs. Kessler, and they're all pregnant, all on her. There was okay. like five or six. Um, the Bartholomews. Mm. So that um, explains Liza. Like she's my. Age. So this explains a lot. After I've heard a lot of your podcasts, and you've talked a lot yeah. about the fundamentalists, because like I. I hear that and I'm like, man, I thought he had the same or came from that same, but like Spirit of Christ broke out of that. And the yeah. group of people and families that I grew up in weren't the like fundamentalist yeah. that you've talked about. And I'm like, I don't I don't really have the same point of reference, but I thought we came from somewhere in the same like vicinity. <laughs> but I but that explains uh well, that explains a lot now that it okay. Well a lot of uh so for those of you who are listening, uh <laughs> Ben is the the individual I've talked about. But Ben, you're the guy that I've talked about like what <laughs> a dozen times. You were way too kind. A dozen times and I've so been wanting to have you on for so long. Um you are a 
uh, student director of uh, Building 21, which is a youth. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you? Yeah. Tell, why don't you give the, orga- the introduction <laughs> yeah. of who <laughs> introduction you are? Of, although of I know quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So Building 21 is a, a after-school teen center where we have activities and programs for students, um, and primarily sixth through twelfth grade right now. And started that organization ten years ago um, as what, a nonprofit. What, like, what, what made you want to do that? Because I, I, I know that you were kind of, I mean, like what you went, you went mm-hmm. uh, um, New Covenant, and then you went into the Mount Hope internship, internship Bible thingy with spin mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was Johnny Kessler there at the time? Uh, Johnny K? He was yes. pretty close. Uh, yeah, but uh, I was an intern when he was not in his uh, good year. Oh, in his, uh, his faith. When he was roughing it. Yeah, when he was roughing it. <laughs> when he was, Johnny K, if you're listening. Johnny K, no. Nothing but love for you, no, dude. Nothing but love, and that's all I'm going to say, because he has his own story. But no, oh, that, I need to have him That was when him and... Story. Yeah. Yeah. His story is wild. Yeah. Um, and then you went from there, you got the life-changing position of working at Art Van Furniture. Oh, man. Yeah, for and, t- yeah, it started out as a job, and then you're in it for like eight, nine, ten years, and you're like, this is a career. It's no longer a job anymore. What is, what is one thing that the standard public doesn't know about people that work at a furniture store. At a furniture store. Like, what is one well, thing that we would be like, oh, man, if I knew that? <laughs> well, I would say, uh, oh, well, there's there's so many things I could say. But one thing that I used to get asked a lot is, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> and <laughs> and, so, and uh, what was Wait, really who would, hilarious. Who would say that? Oh, uh, well, a lot of people. Um, okay, a lot of people. But, okay. It, but what's really hilarious about that is I'm doing credit applications for these people, and I'm uh, putting in I'm putting in their their income, and uh, they're asking me they're asking me this question, and I'm like I'm making way more than you, oh. buddy. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you tell me when you're making as much money as I am oh if you've gotten a real job. So that's hysterical. So oh, yeah. so people would think like, oh, this isn't a real job. You're a furniture sales guy, oh, and yeah. you're just crushing, like, crushing them, <laughs> like crushing them. Like, what did you just? What, I just did your credit application. I know who you are. <laughs> like, you work at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes oh. they they didn't get approved, and it's oh. like I know more about who you are. Oh, <laughs> and, that's anyway. rough. Yeah, man. so I mean, that's really funny that you can make a lot of you can make good money in sales, but Do you miss uh, it? it might cost you. I miss some aspects. When my wife and I have talked about it before. Um, I miss the aspects of like fighting for something and like the thrill of the chase, the thrill of like uh, when someone walks in and they have no idea what they're getting, what they want, and they walk out with $2,500 of furniture and they're happy about it and they love you for it, right? Like, Dude, you know, when I lived here before, I bought this, not this table, but the table that was here from our van when our van was still oh uh, yeah kick yeah, in. Hey, rust in peace <laughs> r.i.p our van. r.i.p our van dude i think i remember you telling me one time you were like yeah if you ever want to rob somebody just wait till art van closes because the last <laughs> person that leaves art van leaves with like a, a a like one of those bank things full of cash and there is no way anyone would ever <laughs> nobody around it's just it's just the manager <laughs> and he has like 
I can, 10 grand in cash oh, or something. I can or more. say this now because there is no more art band. But yes, that was there. It was like the closing manager would walk oh away and gosh. do the deposit. And I'm like, wow, I, I do not want that responsibility. <laughs> did you ever do it? You know? No, I didn't want to be an, a manager because managers oh. were only those that couldn't sell for the most part. Oh, there, were, so, there were a few good ones. Oh, but, so like you're a good guy, you're a, a hard worker, but you just suck with people. You just, t- yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to be like, oh, I feel bad for you. I'm going to put you in a role where you make 14 bucks an hour. And, 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 and you have yeah. a salary, but you're trying to tell the other manager or other salespeople how to do it. So, you know, it was, it was similar like that when I was in my uh, logistics position. Did I ever tell you I worked for a logistics company? No. Um, yeah, like 20, who? What are the years? 2018 to 2019. It's like a year and a half. Um, it was called Nolan Transportation. And I, all I did was help coordinate trucks to pick up anything and deliver it anywhere. And so I would get a hold of companies that needed trucks. And then I would get a hold of trucks that needed delivery to like to make a delivery. And so every single 53 foot, uh, you know, semi big rig on the road, that is a truck that was either hired by a broker or a company. They're all most, most of them are independent unless they say like, you know, McDonald's or Walmart on the side, they're all independent. And so, you know, like you have Trans Am and you have oh, yeah. Schneider and, you know, all those, they're, those are companies. So we get a hold of both. And like we basically, I sell a service to, uh, you know, let's say Costco. I worked like one of my, one of my uh, customers was Costco. And so I said, I can deliver this, this shipment for you for $1,400. And then I would find a delivery driver and I'd be like, hey, I'll pay you 1100 bucks and keep the, keep the difference. Oh. Yeah. And so every month there was like this uh, barrier that I had to sell. Um, the first $5,000, I got nothing. And then a- after that, I got like 5% and then up to 10,000. If, if I made more than 10, it was like I'd keep 50% on top of a pretty low salary. It was like 30 grand a year. Yeah. I crushed. <laughs> Dude, I crushed. And I mean, it was just because I would butter the biscuits, yeah. man. I'd go in yeah. and just <laughs> slop them full of hot, juicy butter and make them feel so good about who they were. And it was so easy, man. Like I go in and then they would often offer me like, oh, you know, you should go into, you know, uh, uh, managerial because you could like, you know, like build up your team and all these kind of things. And I I was like, what's the salary? And they're like, oh, you know, we'd start you like 52,000. I'm like, last... Last year I made you know like ninety grand, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pass yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. on yeah. your promotional opportunities because that is not gonna happen here. Yeah, at Art Van they would um, I got I got asked many times, but uh, then they would normally move their managers around to different stores every like six months, a mm. year, a couple of years, and I'm like I got a family. I'm not driving to Battle Creek or Ugh. I'm not driving to Grand Rapids for my job. Like, yeah. if, why wouldn't I just stay here and make more money? And they worked longer hours, and they, you know, got paid less. So I was like, what's in it for me? <laughs> what's in it for me? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So what happened? Because I know you all, you always had the dream to, like, start a youth center, yeah. right? It was always, like, a dream and a vision. Um, but, like, what what was the, the turning point, the shift uh, in, in, like, creating this, manifesting what you have? I mean, because, like, you're doing it. Like, yeah. and you've been doing it for a decade. I, so it's, no. it's actually, hold on. I have a side, I have a, I have a side question. Um, did you ever feel like you were an imposter though? Like there's something called the imposter syndrome, which is like people that get famous or they, 
uh, become known for what they do. They don't feel like they deserve, like everyone's going to find out I'm a fake or anything like that. Did you ever have that? I have that all the time. <laughs> you still <laughs> have it? You're talking about. Like you I, still have I, it? I just came from here, I, coming here, yeah. I just came from a board governance workshop Whoa. that is talking about how to run and um, putting the infrastructure in place to for your board. Um, and I'm sitting in there thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like what, when it comes to that, right? I, I, and, and sometimes you're sitting next to where I go to meetings or I go to business functions with like these people with all these letters after their names. Mm. And I'm like, I got none of that. And I'm Ooh. trying to do the same things. And I'm like, oh, who am I? Right. So I think we had that conversation. I texted you and I was like, who am I, man? So what are you talking about? I have that all the time. But, uh, the, the, I would say, well, first off, it, it kind of came from a dream that we had, uh, a, a dream that um, I believe God put in me, but also a need that I saw when I was on the streets in Lansing, um, helping a buddy of mine who's now, he's in Brooklyn, New York, helping one of the largest, um, you know, organizations, small, like Sunday school organizations for kids called Metro World, World Child. So my friend Josh Lee and I were helping a ministry uh, when we were in junior high and high school, and we would um, walk around the streets of Lansing and um, pick up kids, bring them to a, a thing on Saturday, and do a whole Sunday school with them and all that. So we had this ministry called Kingdom Kids, um, and I used to walk around thinking there's nothing for students to do. Like everything that we do, everything that programs that are programs out there for kids, they all end at like, you know, middle school, 12, 12 years old. And I thought, man, there's, there's gotta be something for teenagers someday. Um, and I kept looking for, and there really isn't a lot of options for students, unless you're involved in sports or you're involved in a, um, some type of thing at school, but even that it's still school, a school thing. And so, uh, that was where I got the heart for it for, you know, to have a team center. You saw a need. <clears throat> saw a need, and there's still that same need. I mean, 25 years later from that point, there's still a need, you know, mm. if you walk around. Um, so that was sort of the, the like, calling, but I was in, like, junior high, and I was in, in high school at the time, right? And so uh, I started, you know, following that path a little bit, and uh, that's where I went into the ministry route. Mm. Yeah. So what happened? Um, well, um, I mean, a few things happened because uh, my dad died oh, within there. My dad went through a really, really rough, rough point when I was, uh, you know, in sixth grade. He got a brain tumor. By twelfth, he he had some surgeries and all of that stuff, and uh, he was fine for a little while. But uh, he started to really go downhill my senior year of high school <clears throat> when. Uh, he, you know, by the time I was a senior, I had to help him on and off the toilet. I had mm. to help him in and out of the shower. Dude, um, that that had to have been tough. Oh. Like, you probably don't realize the gravity of of trauma like that in the, in the moments because you, you just, I mean, what, you're 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Proce trying to process a, a, a dying parent right in front of you. I can't imagine how tough that yeah, was. It's to see the um, who your dad was mm. as a provider, as yeah. a protector in your home, to see the dad that you looked up to, the one you remember, was caring, the one that you remember, yeah. yeah. And then by the time I'm a senior in <clears> high <throat> school, and then I I got married young, so I got married, you know, a couple of years later, really. Um, 
to see that same person just fall apart mm. before your eyes, yeah. just deteriorate, yeah. literally, um, to go from not being really your dad anymore, but you're yeah. calling him dad, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember when my, um, last year my mom passed, mm -hmm. and uh, it was pretty quick from the, from the time that she found her, the bump on the back of her head, and for her, you know, she was um, lucid and talking, and uh, to the time that she was um, more or less, uh, you know, uh, immobile and not even talking was only, I mean, 10 weeks maybe. Wow. Um, and I remember thinking, like, she got ad admitted to hospice, and my dad, he went down there to spend yeah. the last days with her. And I remember thinking, like, I want to go down. Like, I want to see her. I haven't seen her in, like, five years, really. And... Um, and my dad was like, this isn't your mom. Mm. Like it is, but it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not your mom anymore. Um, you know, she, she looks different. She, she's like, this isn't the person that you remember. And mm -mm. so I can't imagine going through that actively Yeah, it's... And, and what that, what that felt like. And, and I mean, it's probably in a sense, things that you're still processing through that and probably always will. Yeah. I mean, um, I know I will for the rest of my life. It is. Where did you go to hospice? Where was she at hospice at? It was down in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she lived down in New Mexico, um, by herself. Oh my God. And so when she got sick, it was like, um, I remember my, I remember my sister's um, they had a lot of optimism, but I was, I tend to look at, um, data. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, yeah, you, you know me. Yeah. I tend to look at data and I was just looking at the symptoms that she was, um, proposing and, uh, how they were tracking. And I was like, this looks really, really bad. Um, I was like, and I remember talking to one of my sisters and I was like, I was like, Jay, we need to, um, prepare for really bad news. And she's like, no, I want to have a good, you know, the, you know, this and that. And I respect her hope. But just looking at the data, I was like, we have to mm. really look at the, you know, the, the strong data here because it was, um, mm. it was quick. Oh. Yeah. Was, I, I can't, <clears throat> I can sympathize, empathize with any loss, of course, when you go through something like that. And uh, I can't say it's easier one way or another, you know, I know what my trauma was I know what my experience was um, and that wasn't easy no. but uh, but I did get a lot more time with my dad from the time that we yeah. thought you know he may this this uh, is may may gonna take him out you know yeah um, but well, it gives you time to be easy. intentional <clears throat> yeah um, I did, think we did, were we were not as intentional as I would have hoped I think we thought um, he was just gonna pull through this and that's yeah. where <laughs> that's where we get into some of the, the trauma I have with like miracles and, mm. you know, praying for, um, the sick and mm. healing and things like that, that, um, it didn't, didn't happen with my dad. Didn't it happen. only got worse. You know, mm. um, I went to, we went to every prayer meeting. We went to every, um, you know, revival service. We went to, um, the, I think when Benny Hinn came into town or whatever, you know, big guys like that. But also um, when evangelists would come to Mount Hope and they felt like they were speaking right to you. And then I call up and, yep, my dad's still in the same. It's still getting worse, you know. Mm. Um, how do you That's hard. How do you reconcile that? I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have or, 
will. Do you need to? Um, do you like? I, and I'm not saying do I you need know. to. I'm just yeah. saying, <clears throat> or are you are you good with never reconciling? I, I think there. I I may, I may be good with not ever knowing like why, and that's why, as you know, another side of what I do being a pastor, um, people ask that question, and it's just the wrong question of why, because I don't know if we'll. I don't know I if talk about can answer that. I often talk about, like, people are like, there's no bad questions. But like, no, I, no, there's definitely there, really bad questions. <laughs> there really are. That's, I, I often, like, when, <laughs> my, my friends often make fun of me when they ask a question. I respond and be like, that's that's a bad question. <laughs> Let's reword it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm I'm very forward. I'm, I'm an eight, Enneagram eight. I don't know if you understand. I, I haven't done those yet. I haven't figured that out I'm yet. Enneagram okay. eight, which is just very, okay. um, they're the challenger. Like, I okay. just, I'm very um, forward and literal and uh, I'd sometimes come off. Uh, crass and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I don't mean to. My aggressiveness is not anger. And, um, but, uh, how do you, how do you think that shaped what your faith looks like? Because I mean, I'm, I can imagine your faith was probably had a foundation a lot like mine, mm-hmm. um, where there are key statements that still live in my brain <laughs> that I could probably put my, uh, my hat back on and say, you know, um, all things work, mm-hmm. you know, for and, the good of those. And, and I could also say, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's it's in God's timing. Or I could say, um, you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you lost your father, mm-hmm. and all of those things kind of go right down the drain as the trauma sets in. Mm-hmm. And so there's people that are listening to this, <clears throat> knowing that you are currently living in a role that you probably can't fully reconcile. So like, how, how does that, how did that affect your faith and, or maybe affect it now and shape it now and knowing that, knowing all of those intricacies? Um, I think, I think in some ways it solidified, uh, it solidified some of my faith in the way that, um, we don't know what is going to happen with any of us. Um, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, what a call from the doctor could look like. Um, but in my world, maybe, um, and, and you can say this is right or wrong, um, and that can be an, an argument for people smarter than me, but... In my mind, it made the uh, it made my belief in a creator even more solidified. And when I look at the Bible, and when I look at what's how the Bible was written, and what is in those pages, um, that there is sin, and there is something that came into this world that um, corrupted what was supposed to be or meant to be perfect or good. And to me, that makes sense that there was once we were created for one purpose for this, we were created in the image of God. And then something entered the world that corrupted that. And from that, uh, we have all the rest of this. And this can, in my mind, explain that uh it wasn't meant to be this way but you know god will 
reconcile us again one day. If that so makes does, sense, that I just I just summed up like a whole Christian <laughs> belief in like two minutes. But <laughs> so does prayer work? Um, I believe prayer works, but it didn't. But it didn't. I believe prayer works at times, but so, I don't know. I don't know how. What What's the metric that you use in order to figure out? I mean, because if if you have one really good set of data where you really, really, really pushed your hardest and it didn't work, what brings you to the point? To where you say yes, prayer does work. It didn't work, but it does work. Because I don't really, I don't know fully what the end result is or should be, and so is there an example where you prayed and it did work? Um, yeah, I mean, when I think of what happened with the house that I'm living in today, so I think you you've been to my house. Of course, you I have. Okay, <laughs> you've been to my house. Have um, I swam in your pool? When, yeah. Have you swam in the pool? Though? I have. Have you? Okay. I was like, when you weren't there, I went skinny dipping uh, one night. Oh, yes. All right. It's got to be you, as I tell people. A few times. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if you're serious right now or if you're joking. But if you're serious, that's fine. If you're, if you're joking, that's Sorry, fine, Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> it's fine, too. Um, uh, when I think about that, where I was like, you know, in a wrestling with what to do, and I was, we were going down this path of trying to buy this house, and... I just kept praying, if this is, God, if this is what you want, then you'll make this, you know, happen for me. And he did. And it literally is like a gift. Do you think God wanted that, though? I I don't know if I can answer that. I, But it I, happened. It happened. And so did he? I, I don't know. I think sometimes we do try to... Do we project our own wants into what we feel like God wants? Yeah. I think we all do that. If we, if you're a believer, if you're going to be truly honest, I think you, as a believer, as a Christian, I think we do that a lot. Is there any, is there any, is there any harm in that? You know, probably, I think most of the time, no, I think most of the time, no. But I mean, because if you project your want onto something and then it happens, it'll, it'll reinforce your belief system. And if it doesn't happen, then God didn't want it, which also reinforces reinforces your belief system. Which goes back to my struggle with like prayers for healing. I can believe so many of the other things, and I, I, I'm not telling you anything that would get me fired from my, my job with Pastor do you think, Jared. Do you think Jared's going to uh, listen to this? No, I don't know zero if he would. Zero percent chance. <laughs> zero zero chance. percent Unless I tell him, I'll tell him. Um, but uh, I, I think I think that's why I, I sit in those meetings or I, I in those staff what? meetings or at those times, and I'm like, I, I, I struggle with that part. Well, see, and it, it, I think that's the beauty of one of the reasons why I love who you are is because th- th- there's an authenticity that lives within you that like you're okay with the struggle. See, a lot of my past and a lot of the people that I knew, uh, they pretend that the struggle's not there. They cover all of the holes in their faith with putty real mm-hmm. fast, and it's a weak facade. And, and people, anyone can see through that the moment any moisture, any while you throw anything on that and those holes begin to seep through. And that's the problem is you're like, yeah, there's a hole there and I don't know what to do with that. But the hole isn't going to bring the house down. Maybe there are holes that will, but this one won't. And yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> just personally, like the prayer one was an early one for me um, because I... Again, mm-hmm. love data, <laughs> and um, they have a lot of data on, yeah. on like there's not a lot of data on many things in the Christian faith, but there's a lot of data on people 
that prayed for sick people versus people that don't get prayed for and how many get healed right and how many don't get healed and across the board it's a wash just by the numbers and this is like this long-term study back in 2000 to 2010 it was 10 year study and there was something like 13,000 cases that they evaluated where um people that like they had them in four categories people that got prayed for people that didn't get prayed for and then people who knew on both sides so like if you knew you were getting prayed for or if you didn't know but you were also getting prayed for and then if you didn't know that you weren't getting prayed for and then you also knew that you weren't getting prayed for so there's four categories right. okay and across the board and i think there was only like two or three different specific diseases that they were praying for i think they're all carcinogenic they're all cancer um like does god heal um terminal illness is, is what the what the, mm -hmm. hypo, uh, the hypothesis was the question at hand and it was a wash um it was across the board the same amount of people uh with a few outliers um uh recovered and the same amount of people died mm -hmm. across the board so that was like one of the first real instances that i was like huh so what i was told is not physically happening um i even remember there was i don't remember his name um there was a director of you know you know master's mm -hmm. commission um which is which is where i went mm -hmm. um 2003 to 2007 there was a director of the clearwater master's commission in florida um, who had a son and his son name was josiah and um at four years old josiah was uh diagnosed with a brain tumor and was terminal and they gave him like six months to live mm. And watching this four-year-old, I can't, I can't imagine what this family went through watching mm -hmm. their four-year-old lose his hair and then like um, through ra like the radiation and the poisoning and all, like it was terrible. I mean, the name Josiah means the one who God healed. Ooh. And uh, he had the master's commissions from every single one across the nation. There was thousands of people praying for this kid and he died. He, it was like six months, almost on the dot later he died. And, and the, the guy, the father was at the funeral with the son in the casket and he was praying for God to bring him back alive, mm -hmm. like weeping. And it was like one of the hardest moments I've ever, cause I'm standing at, at yeah. the back of this, sanctuary and i'm like I mean, how do you how, how do you how do you process that how do you reconcile that and like that was a really super it was super early on and i was like if god is good like i always believe he was why i mean if at a snap of the finger or a wave of the hand he he could save pain he could reduce pain and bring joy back into this family mm -hmm. but he didn't and there's, there's a super common, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And like, that doesn't, in these moments. It doesn't explain that. Like that, that, that guy was like, screw that. Yeah. And I mean, he fell away from faith really. I mean, really fast. Yeah. He was just like, if I have served God my entire life, like it was like a lifelong. And then he's like, I have one kid mm -hmm. and I watch my, and then like, and his wife like left him and his life fell apart. And it was like, some people are like, well, you know, sometimes God tests you. It was like how that's cruel if that's if that's a test that's cruel. that's cruel yeah so it, it, there kind of came this point where i was like maybe i don't have the answers like i thought i did mm. and um 
I don't know. That's a hard one for me. Um, and I think I actually lived with that not knowing for a while. For that, that, that like, you know, maybe this isn't, maybe I don't got the prayer thing. Maybe I have other things right, the things that really matter. But so I kind of actually gave up on prayer. I was like, I don't understand why am I praying anyways. Like, is it's got a Coke machine, you know, you, you, you do your prayer, your $1, and you get a prayer out, you know? I, I think that's what people so many times think of it. So as, what is prayer then? As a, as a uh, vending machine right. you know, well, model. A lot of people say, but, you know, it's communication to God, right? But if God is everything and in, any, in, in everything and everywhere and all around you and through you and beside you, and, oh, and I mean, do we need to close our eyes and dedicate words? Uh, not always, no, because um, I don't think it. I don't think it. Prayer is always the same thing. So, what does prayer do then? Um, I think prayer, at the core, is connecting your heart with God's heart in some way, form or fashion. And sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't. Mm. Um, you know, there are studies that. So, so then I, I read on. I actually, yeah. so this is actually my much later. Um, this is probably only a handful of years ago, 2015, 2016. I started reading, like, why would you pray? Like, what, like, what would you do for prayer? And there's actually a lot of really good studies on people who pray. Um, not things happen, but uh, a change within the self. Um, there is the center of your brain. You have a thalamus, which is like a, yeah. little, a little baby brain, um, right? It's like a walnut size right at the center of your brain. Uh, that's where your identity lives. And um, it's, it's hemispherical, bihemispherical, so there's left and right, just like your, your normal brain. And uh, they found that people who spend more than 10 minutes a day in prayer or meditation, meditation always also works, um, specifically on a loving deity, mm-hmm. some, uh, like a deity that is loving. And you can be like, well, I'm going to meditate on myself because I'm loving, but it had to be like a loving figure. They found a uh, bilateral resonance between the two hemispheres of the thalamus that didn't exist before. And so there was a physio, uh, physiological um, and chemical change within the actual brain physically. Um, and when that happens, that projects, that change is, uh, it's significant of a, um, an internal change. So something is changing. Something like with prayer changes you. Maybe it doesn't change things like I want a job. I'm going to pray for a job. But maybe praying or meditating on a loving God will change you. I think that it should. And I think part of that is what happens with prayer, that it's not about what you get out of God, but how much it needs to change you. Um, but see, then that goes back to like my belief that it, my, your belief in a creator, you mm-hmm. know, that um, can, did all of that happen by chance or was that put inside of you? Mm-hmm. Was there a purpose for that, you know? Um, and, you know, I choose to believe that I came from a creator, that there's at least a design or a, a, a purpose in all of this, mm. that we're not just floating around and, you know, um, going through life haphazardly necessarily, mm. but that there is a creator and he, he at least, you know, thought of me mm. before he, before I was even born, you know, and that I was fearfully and I was wonderfully made in some way. And so if you, but see. Okay, uh, Jeremiah. uh, Okay, here we go. (laughs) Here we go with the scripture quoting. Um, But I I think so much of what came from, uh, 
at least from my foundation, is the the belief in a creator. And if you believe that there is a creator and what he created was good, then sin wasn't and destruction and sickness and my dad's sickness and my dad's, you know, um, tumor and cancer and that boy's cancer didn't exist in the original creation until man or somebody made the choice to go against the will of God and then that brought sin into the world. And so in my brain, that's how I can say, well, yeah, that makes sense to me that there there is now, it was designed good and then something entered the world that made it destructive. The penis. That's what we're, the penis. <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> so maybe people should... If they're having a hard time reconciling, because there's a lot of people that are listening to this mm-hmm. right now that probably just probably written um, me off already. <laughs> well, I well see, I'm actually going to do an intro. <laughs> I'm going to give a trigger warning gonna, oh, no. of of religion. Yeah, oh, because yeah. like there are people that have completely deconstructed. Oh, I, that I mean, like, well, well, Deb, I, I I know I would love to. We need to do. I need to like get Deb. It would be, be like, so hey, fun. Deb. I don't, you know. It would be so fun. Like the three of us would have a blast. Get Lachelle here too because oh she grew gosh. up in the same school that I did. She and knows. By the way, by the way, I, I needed to say this. I thought of this when uh, when I was listening to the podcast with Deb. Um, I think Lachelle was in fourth. I think I was in fourth grade and she was maybe in fifth grade or I was in third grade. Um, I don't really count this as my first kiss, but I think <gasps> I kissed her on the <gasps> playground. What? <laughs> I I what? Ah! I I I, I, vivid, I I believe I remember this. Oh game. my gosh! Oh my gosh! I think, oh my gosh! I think. Uh, I don't even know how to process this information. This is the the greatest I, moment in podcast history. Oh my gosh! It's hope, all coming full circle. I, hope, I, hope I, I was I was this wondering so, if this could come up. Oh, today. it has to. Oh my gosh! This is so amazing. This is the most amazing uh, thing I have ever heard. Um, so I, I I'd love to ask. Do you remember? Did I remember this correctly? I think oh we were gosh. sitting on top of one of the playground equipment, and I think I like oh my kissed gosh. you. Anyway, is... we did daycare. She was in our my mom's daycare for many years. Oh my so anyway, we <laughs> just to, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I got us got us off track a little bit. The best. There. This is the best. This is amazing. Um, so I go back. No, I like. There's a lot of people that that would that probably don't fully uh, resonate with who I am. Uh, and I mean, because like me and you have, I would say, ideological differences, uh, belief differences, but the core of who you are is very similar to the core of who I am, and that is. Um, I, and I mean, you're going to fully resonate with this. And that is I, my desire on this planet is to help as many people as I can for as long as I can with every means that I can. And that's yeah. it. Like, yeah. I, like yeah. I, I, it, it's that simple. Like yeah. I was put here to help people yeah. and I, like, it, maybe I got the religion wrong. That doesn't even matter. Like it, maybe, maybe yeah. I got it all wrong. Maybe some of it was right. Maybe a little bit was right. right. But at the same time, I like, kind of let, let it all go. I'm like, I don't even, I don't know. I don't want to pretend like I know anymore. Mm. Because I thought I knew, and I probably hurt some people through that. And so the rest of my life, I'm probably going to hold my belief secondary to my purpose. Because for a lot of my life, my belief or my purpose came from my belief. 
Like I, I had a, I had a set of beliefs and, and, and my thought, my purpose stemmed from that. And now I'm like, well, I, I think I was wrong because I was definitely wrong about prayer. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, well, there's like a, like a, a dozen fundamental things I thought were like non-negotiables that all kind of fell apart. And, but I'm like, but will that, if, if all of those fell apart, I mean, what should that stop me from being the best human that I can possibly be and flying to Nepal and um, giving six weeks of my time, helping people provide clean water to people after an earthquake right? and um, traveling up north. I, I work for team Rubicon. I'm an, I, a volunteer for team Rubicon, which is a disaster relief. Mm. And, and whenever there's tornadoes or anything, I, I go and help clean debris. Like, can you be a good human? And so I put my, my belief secondary to my purpose. Um, and so there's a lot of people right now that are probably listening that are like, okay, they don't fully, you know, resonate with my, like where I'm at, mm-hmm. uh, ideologically, but they probably don't also resonate with where you are. They're probably somewhere in between, <laughs> right. um, me and you. Um, and, and I think that's why I feel like these conversations are important. Mm-hmm. Because if I can sit down with you and be like, yeah, I, I used to align probably fairly close and now we don't align at all. But my love for you as a person is like, like you're one of my core friends. Like I can, I know I can text you at any point and be like, yo, Benny, <laughs> <laughs> Benny, yo, Benny, how, how, how you be, man? Oh. Uh, can I stop by? I need this. And you'd be like, yeah, no mm-hmm. problem. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And it's, I mean, it's, it's because of who you are at the core. And I think bridging that gap and showing people that um, the, the trauma that may have been caused from an institution, when you go on an individual level, you, you can begin to heal that trauma because there's a lot of people with spiritual trauma and religi- mm-hmm. religious trauma, which I'm going to do an episode on um, spiritual trauma eventually. I'm going to do one on spiritual manipulation too, which... Those things are right up my alley. Um, but there's people that are listening to this. Um, and like my goal is not to get people back to the church. Like that's like, I, and I, I know that's probably not your entire goal, but like, but my goal is for people to heal in whatever environment is the best for them. And sometimes for like a season that for me, it was like, no, I can't go back to the church. That's, yeah. that was the place of pain. Mm-hmm. And I gotta, I have to heal first. Um, and I think um, that's okay. My, my, what I always say to my kids, to my wife, to other people is, as long as you're still having those conversations, I think um, what happens with me, I know many times um, that people can or will or listening to this podcast now can write off instead of saying, well, let's have the conversation. Um, I'm willing to have the conversation, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Um, sometimes it doesn't go, <laughs> sometimes it hasn't gone well or doesn't go well, but uh, I, I'm okay with there being some of that tension of um, we may not see eye to eye on everything. And some, in some ways, we might be closer than we even thought we were. Mm. You know, we might even be closer ideology, ideologically than we thought we were. Mm. But 
there might be a few things that I say, well, you know, I choose to go this way, you choose to go that way, and that's okay as long as we keep having those conversations. And I think that's that's been the problem, oh my gosh, in the last three years, right? Last two and a half years is people stop having conversations, is I've had people write me off because they think uh, if I voted for this person, I am everything that that person was, right? Or you, you're going to write me off just because of uh, the church that I belong to. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I never wrote you off when you told me you voted for and you said this and you believed in that. Mm -hmm. I never, so I never changed. You did, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you've completely written me off, you know? And so it frustrates me. Division, division itself frustrates me. Well, that's how you conquer a nation. That's how you conquer yep. people. You divide them. You have oh, to yeah. divide the people. And our, our, our political system, our, our government is very good at that. Oh, yeah. They are yeah. very good <laughs> at dividing us. Yeah. Um, which is why I don't associate with any of them. <laughs> no, not just I don't associate. No. And I think that's what happens in our churches sometimes, too. Obviously, you look around, and I'm like, I, I we have some ideas that are different, and then there's different, so there's different churches and whatever. Um, but sometimes we write people off or write another person off just because of the way they believed, you know, or the way they, they thought of something. And, um, I can't say I have the answers to some of that. There's some people that, uh, I, my wife and I have talked about this, that, um, if you believe in heaven, if you believe in heaven and hell, or if, if I believe, um, in a creator and I believe that one day we're going to, there's a life after this, mm -hmm. I think we're, you and I are going to be real surprised at who's there and who's not there. I think we'll be real surprised. Like there will be some people that I looked at and I was like, wow, how'd you make it? You know? And some people it's like, man, you didn't, whoa, like, you know, you fooled everybody kind of a thing. I don't think we know. I, I, and I'm okay with kind of living with that, that there are some people that live a certain lifestyle that, um, I don't know how, I can't really process it in my brain, but I just know that, um, there, there's one friend, one person that I know um, really well who's a believer and uh, goes to a church um, that she is a lesbian and also talks to me about God speaking to her. And I'm like, that's great. I don't know where that comes. Like, I don't know how to process that in my brain, in the fundamentalist brain. When I've listened to some of your podcasts, I'm like, there's one person I know who's like a really, you know, great person. And, you know, I think she's going to heaven. I mean, I, I think, and I mean, in my brain, like in my way of thinking, yeah, she's, she's going to the same heaven I am. She's got some of the same issues. She's got some issues that she deals with in, in my beliefs, but that I don't know where that makes her fall. And so sometimes we like to rank people in these like, oh, you're going to heaven, you're not. But <laughs> I, think, I think we're all going to be surprised. At least that's the way I <clears throat> You think I that think there's you think there's a heaven after this? I, well, hold on, hold on. Let me rephrase that question. That's a bad question. Do you think that our souls go somewhere else? Either up, not physically, but up to heaven or down to hell, depending on what we do in this sliver of a life. Depending on what we do. I don't believe that it has to do with just the things that we do. What does it have to do? Although with? that has to has something to do with it. I still believe that it it's your belief and relationship with God. Um, and 
at least in my understanding, that is a belief that Jesus came to this earth, and you believe that he died for you, he rose again, and one day you get to be with him. And so it has to do with the belief in Jesus. But you have to you, you have to believe that after a certain age, though, right? Because like if you're like four and you die, see, I I don't know where that is in the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, like I I'm, I'm legitimately asking, like if you're yeah. four and you die, like Josiah didn't I, he did not have a grip on reality in any capacity. He didn't have autonomy in order to say um, there is another life beyond this and I need to accept Jesus. Right. He was too young, right? Yeah. But there is an age where, and I think I think it's what, called the age of accountability. Yeah, right? that's, I think that's, I don't know if that's in the, it's not, I don't it's not think it's in the Bible. I, I, I but, don't think there is anything like that. But it's it's like an age. Like, but like, do you, any idea what you think that age would be? I have no idea. Like 12 probably, 10? Do you, do you remember how old you were when you like know. for real accepted Jesus? Uh, like thirteen. I Let's mean, just I say thirteen. Yeah. So what about a fourteen-year-old? And he dies. He had one year. So all of eternity rests on that one critical year. I don't know. I guess. I don't. I don't know. That's rough, bro. That is rough. Like I and I and I was listening to uh, the. I was listening to your podcast on abortion. You yeah. know, when when you were talking about that, and I'm like, well, uh, based on the way I believe, and you know, it makes me rethink things. And I'm like, well, oh, then dude. there would be a bunch of babies. Oh, then, dude, then, I then, don't uh, know. The afterlife is full with a bunch of babies, well, right? See, I, like, I don't know where I, I stand on that. I mean, because like, is like the idea of like when does consciousness or personhood uh, dictate, um, you know, the life of a child versus like. Um, do we tell women whether or not they can have babies? Those are two separate things. So if you just want to talk like just the science behind it, oh, dude, I don't know where I stand yeah, because like I, I, like babies, I heard that <laughs> like babies are born like there are animals mm-hmm. that are born with more like levels and higher um, models of reality than our infants. I mean, if, if an infant human is born more or less not taken care of, will die within a few days. It cannot take care of itself. You know, you know, like virtually almost every mammal on earth can take care of itself when born. So, and we kill those all the time, you know? So th- there's, there's levels of, you know, of, of, of hierarchy that dictate these things that I don't fully understand. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you have on, on nanotube fibers of 35 to 40% of all pregnancies um, in the world, so I did it. It was uh, three million ish a year in the U.S. Um, and if you project that out to uh, the world, it ends up being about forty ish million per year, forty to forty five million. Um, if you believe that the moment of conception, a soul enters that zygote, that little clump of cells, I mean, it's not any you know feasible human in any capacity so i mean like look the tumor is is life you know it's not really pro-life i mean everything is living i mean the plant that's life right so it's it's pro human life 
of some kind that like that even then at what point does the clump of cells become an actual human? Like, is it a heartbeat? Well, not really. I mean, worms have heartbeats, you know, they have 10 heartbeats. So I mean, like you kill them. So it's like all these ethical and moral questions and nobody really, nobody really knows. So then you get political people that come in and they make these hard lines. And that's where I have issues because I'm like, as a scientist, I have no idea. And you're a politician. And you're and you're making these calls. Mm-hmm. That's where I have issues. I mean, because like if if we do believe, then what is the purpose if at conception the spirit comes in? You know, like that's when the, you know. What's the purpose of creating millions and millions? I mean, at this point, hundreds of billions of souls that never even see six weeks old just to go to heaven. Like, are, are they six-week-old zygotes in heaven? <laughs> I don't. See, and those are, the, those are the questions that, you know, we in our mind, like in our finite minds, and yours is definitely bigger than mine. Your brain oh, no, is the same bigger size. than mine. It's the, <laughs> it's the same size. size. Okay, it's the, it's same, the size, same size, but, you know. I just emb- I embrace and, these questions but probably I, a little more actively. I, I just don't. I just think we try to fit so much into our understanding. That's that, what it is. That's what it is. I let go of trying to understand. Yeah. Because, I mean, and I won't ever project what I believed into what you believe, but I had all the answers. Mm-hmm. I had them all. And now I'm like, oh, I have none. I, I, I approach these situations knowing, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. probably wrong. Like, all of this. This entire conversation. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. Like, yeah, like, I, I, there's, a, there's a predisposition to everything that I say. It was like, ah, I'm probably wrong. But this is what I believe until I have better information. Because when I have better information, I can make a better decision. Like, how do I make decisions about what I believe about abortion? Um, well, let's let's give me the best information. Because then I can probably make a moral decision. The problem with that one is the more information comes in, that's like one of these things where, like, I don't – the further I go in, the less I am – the less grip I have on it. Because I'm like, oh, gosh, I have no idea. Like – when does personhood happen? Because it's not really consciousness. Like the baby's not really conscious at birth. I mean, in all reality, like it can't, it doesn't, it can't see in color and it's, it's eyes are blurry for the first uh, two to three weeks. And then it can't even really, really see for like a full four weeks, like a month. Um, it knows the sound of your, of uh, the mother because it's been in the mother's womb the whole time. But I like, there's actually um, like babies don't feel pain. Like we do, um, so like I, the 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 neural complex of a baby does not it's it, it's not fully formed yet. So it knows something's going on, but it does like when you prick the, your finger, a baby doesn't feel it like we feel it. It knows something is there, and so something is wrong, but it doesn't feel pain like we do. So the whole um, circumcision, like six or seven days or three days or two days or whenever they do it. It's not like it would be for us. It's different. Yeah. yeah. Um, which they now sedate, which yeah. I mean, but they didn't, they, they didn't sedate babies for, you know, all, pretty much all of history but see, up all, until this point. All of that in my mind just says, wow, wow, there must be, uh, there must be a creator that like it, made this happen because <laughs> there's like, how, how, I don't, 
there's there's so much I don't understand that just points me for me in my life. Yeah, it's an brain. advanced civilization, and this is a a simulation. This is. A- <laughs> Oh, here we go with the Matrix. Here we go with the Matrix. You know this was coming. <laughs> You've listened go. to I enough did. episodes. I was like, I was trying to stay away from that. You, you, I was you listened to, when you say creator. I'm right like into. The, I walked us right into. You said that. there is a creator. I'm like, yes, yes there is. There is. And this is the I call him the architect. He has, oh, he has no. a white beard, but not like God, like in the Matrix. <laughs> And you walk into the room with all yes. the TVs. So are you Neo in this oh, scenario? Oh, or are you? Oh no. Oh no. That's Elon. Are you oh that's <laughs> Elon's he's and he's not he's not Neo, he's player one. He's oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm probably just an NPC that's okay. that's spawned some sort of consciousness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I'm fairly insignificant. I could I could buy that. Yeah, could... that that's probably <laughs> <laughs> You're like we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm like, uh huh. Uh-huh. Ones and zeros ones and, and zeros and ones. <laughs> yes, that's it. Programmed perfectly. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It, uh-huh. I, I. You know, I'm writing a book. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty deep into it, and it is wild. The things I'm learning about myself and about um, the inconsistencies in this reality that we're living in is wild. I'm. You're going to be one of the very first people I give a copy to when I get it. Because you're one of the very few people I trust with a uh, an honest critique of the book. Like, th- there's a handful of people. Um, Ashlyn will get a copy. You'll get a copy. Andy will get a copy. There's a, there's a few. Brandy and, and Rachel. There's a few others there. Um, but I, I want your critique because you come from such an interesting perspective. Because you, you simultaneously hold your ideals but also recognize that there are inconsistencies and you're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Sometimes. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but that's not going to dictate the core of who you are. And like, that's one of the things I just love so much about you is because like the things that are, are shaky, they don't shake you. Eat, they they sh- they they shake a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They shake a lot of people out of their. It's like they you get a one one pebble in the in the gears, and the whole system falls apart. And you're like, well, yeah, I don't get that, but I'm good. <laughs> and and then there's like something else, and you're like, yeah, I don't get that either. I don't know. Be like, but this is what I've chosen to believe because, um, I know what it does to the core of me. And, and that's such a, such an honest and authentic thing. Like, and, and like, I don't really care if it's, if you were promoting Mormon or like <laughs> the, the Quakers, <laughs> the OG, the yeah. OG, OG Christianity, the yeah. Quakers. Oh man. Um, you do such a good job at representing humanity and, it, like it's it that's why it's been such an honor to to be your friend and to uh have you here and and why I've maintained well, friendship you. with you is because you just represent humanity well well thank you and i, I try <laughs> I, I try my best i mean and that's really like when i i look at the things that i i do and things that i've done i've made my mistakes with my family with my kids and with my wife but um yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to trying to represent. Someone told me a long time, "Be Jesus with skin on," and uh, I was like, "Okay, I can, I can do that." Like, I'll just because we all know that Jesus like, didn't have skin. I like <laughs> before that statement. Before came. that statement. Came. 
<laughs> Word. Okay. I don't even want to be, be Jesus was gonna <laughs> yes. continue. Yes. So I mean, but but I took I took that as like okay. So I'm just gonna. Why don't more people like that? Why aren't more people just trying to be like Jesus in my mind? Like, you, you, if you don't believe in him and you're listening to this, that's totally fine. But for me, okay, I believe in him. If if you do believe in him, then why are you not just going out and trying to? be that in the world instead of try to be all these yeah. other things. Well, I mean, I, I think the reason why it was so important for me to have you on this podcast is because overwhelmingly, and I say this intentionally, overwhelmingly, the best people that I've met in my life are not Christians. Mm. The best people in my life That's are sad. just good people. And the reason why is because Christians are trying to get you into what they found mm. and everyone else is out. It's an exclusive club. Mm. And if they if they don't got it, like if, if, I, cho- if I choose... Be like, yeah, that's not for me. Well, then I'm on the out. And everything that I believe Jesus was, was inclusive, not exclusive. And I've kept you around in my life intentionally because you have done such a great job. But you're just like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care where you are. Um, I, I love you for who you are. And I was like, that's cool. That, that should be what a Christian should be. But I know a lot of Christians. I know a lot of them. A lot of them are really shitty people. I know that. And a lot of people that aren't Christians are like some of the best people I know. And I was like, how does that work out? I don't understand that. Again, I don't get it either. But sometimes I'm not that good either. <laughs> All you know? of us are not. You know good. what I'm saying? But, like, but it's not It's not like, okay, you can have moments. Like, um, are does your character define your actions or do your actions define your character or are they defy them? So it's like, are you a good person who does bad things or are you a bad person who does good things? You know, it's kind of it's kind of like one of these mm. things. Like you at the core of who you are, what drives you, your engine is like just so you're just like there's so much hurt because I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. And there's so much pain because I have pain and I'm just going to do what I can. And uh in the meantime, I found this thing called Christianity which is kind of cool. And I don't fully get it, but I'm just going to keep rolling and it works. And I, that's why, like, I'm I'm trying to pull people in that have been hurt so bad from mm-hmm. the church and those people, and say, hey, they're still good people. And, and I have been hurt. Like, if we wanted to do a whole other podcast about hurt and things, and so to say that my my life in the church has been this like rosy colored, you know, Ben just working his way up to the top kind of a thing. Not even close, right? Watch out, Jared. You know? Watch not- out. He's coming for you. <laughs> He's coming for you. Watch heck, out, Jared. Heck no. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Um, I, That's funny. Not even. That's I, funny. I've said uh, people when, before Jared and, uh, you know, Brian, when Brian left and people asked me, why didn't you, you know, apply for that? Isn't that the way up? And I'm like, no, I'm good. It's not like my stepping stone. Like, no, mm-hmm. um, I'm not. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, but I have, I have had hurt. And I, again, maybe it comes back to the trauma. Maybe it comes back to what happened with my dad of like, I, I know that hurt people hurt people. And that is a phrase that is whatever that, what and people say. Been hurt. And everybody's been hurt. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Guess what? Hurt people hurt. But when I'm hurt, I hurt my wife. Yeah. Guess what? When I'm, when I'm hurting Sometimes the most, because my gauge is sometimes broken in my emotions and all of that. When I my emotional gauge is broken and I'm hurting, I, I hurt other people. Yeah. And so there are. That's what everybody else is, you know, doing too. So um, it can be just a a phrase or a pat thing that you see on a meme, but 
you know, I know that um, that's true for me. Do you think people need the church? And I mean like the physical Sunday morning show up for music that's going to last three songs. All of them are going to be a little bit long because they're not your traditional three minute and 30 second song on the radio. There's three songs that last 22 to 24 minutes. And then it's curated by a prayer and then it goes into a, like the, the soup has been perfectly boiling at that point. And then mm-hmm. the pastor comes up and delivers mm-hmm. a word. Yeah, and sometimes that's gives me. you the meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Do people need that? That recipe for God, do people need that? That recipe? No. Because I've been to other countries and I've seen the way people in Africa and Ghana and Venezuela worship God, and it's different. And then sometimes the recipe is... Um, meeting in a home, and they're doing a Bible and doing study. a podcast uh, and doing a bo- podcast, yeah. But I, I, um, that's the recipe of uh, like our Western culture that our Western, Western culture has has like adopted or whatever. But yeah, when you go over to Africa and they've been, they had to walk a mile to get to that. Um, it's not just everything you said. It's like a meal, and they spend the whole day together because it's also about community and it's about. Um, it's about people being together. And I believe that it's, you know, a lot of this comes from, and it should come from your like core relationships. And this is where something that I'm trying to, you know, dive into myself of having a boat crew, a group of guys around me that I can have honest conversations with. Right. Um, I think we we sometimes put the church as like this is what the pinnacle of what your Christianity should be, and that's not it. That that should be a part of what you do. And I believe that when we come together and when we're a community that come together, um, that we're better for it. Mm. Um, that's what I've tried to do with my teen center. It's all been about community. It's about bringing people together. Um, and it doesn't matter what you believe that you can still come together. Right. Um, but no, I think we, as a Western world, you know, we put it in that little box. Do you feel like a lot of the Western church has lost God in the lights and in the lighting and in the presentation? And if that's the question, what does finding God look like? Have we lost God in the lights? I, I think they that God can still be in it even if we get it wrong. That sometimes what does getting it right look like? I don't know all the time. I mean, getting it right means that you're connecting with your heaven with, with your with God. I, you know, it's so funny because I abandoned mm-hmm. what I knew so certain even months prior. Like I can remember back to moments where it was indisputable and undeniable, the things I felt, the things I experienced, and abandoned all of that. Like, I was, like, done. I was, I was went, like, straight atheist. And then, like, nihilist. And, like, all the other mm-hmm. isms, like pantheism and panentheism and solipsism and all I, those I don't know things. what those were, but okay. <laughs> I went to, like, all the all the side religions because I, I have a propensity of spirituality. Like I, I, I you know, like the mystical experiences mm-hmm. in my life, I, I experience them a lot. Yeah. So I know that there's something else. Yeah. And I think my whole life I thought I had it figured out. And then 
those questions that even you have that you're like, I don't know, led to like a, a much broader set of questions that I ended up saying, I don't know. And because I was so fundamental, I lived in a box and the box was self-supporting. So when you start revealing two, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 holes, the whole thing fell apart because the thing itself was holding itself together. So when itself fell apart, it all fell apart. Um, so I guess my question to you is the person that's listening to this, do they, do they need to hold it together? Is that required? Like, no. like, like what would you tell them? If somebody came to you and they're like, Hey, everything's falling apart. What would you tell them? Like, that, what would, that it's okay, that it can fall apart. And that... what would you have told me if I had, I come to you and I, I'm unsure. I don't think I ever went to anyone in the church. I think I just, I think I turned on Neil deGrasse Tyson and just watched space stuff for like five years. Like what, like what would you have told me if I would have been like, Hey Ben, um, I'm pretty sure none of this is real and I'm not even sure that really matters anymore. Like what would you, what would you have told me? Um, I would have said, man, that's really hard. Let's let's hang out and let's talk about it. Um, I don't think that um, we get it right sometimes when we're like, hey, then then you have to come to church with me, right? <laughs> um, because you would, although I I think church can be important, but you wouldn't have wanted to pray the demons out of me. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, because I don't think that is that's what you had or have see it's it's so strange because now i feel more authentic now that i've than i mm -hmm. felt because i always had those questions but i always just you know they were always always patched up with the god card like oh you know god's mysterious and you know it, it was there was never a real answer to them it was just script that i had been taught and then when i really wanted to be honest i was like i don't know and i feel more authentic now which if you want to talk about the heart of Christ was authenticity. And I think not having the answer, the answers is more authentic than pretending like we do. Um, yeah. I mean, the, that's what's, that's, what's rough about the Western church is we, we think that the person standing up on stage, they have to have all the answers, you know, and they're supposed to be giving me or feeding me. Well, all often the they pretend they do. And, and <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do my best. I think that I have some wisdom to offer. I, well, I, I mean, how many services have you been to where they're like, write questions down on a piece of paper and I'm going to answer them. Have you ever been to those? Um, yeah. Yeah. Not saying that those are bad, I, not saying it, those are bad or yeah, but um, that is, that is, you know, in a sense, uh, reinforcing the structure that you just referenced that the person on the stage does have all the answers. I, as a youth <laughs> pastor, did that. <laughs> you did didn't. that in 2007. I told the kids to write down questions they had and bring them back next week. And the dude, the questions I got were, it was insane. It was insane, the questions I got. Like, oh, okay. So I thought you were talking about, like, write down questions, and then the person up front was going to, like, give a prophetic word, which is, like, a whole different thing. Oh, that okay. too. That's that a different—because I, I, of course, as a youth pastor, I told them to write down questions, because I've always told students, like, yeah. it's okay to have questions. Oh, yeah. It's okay to question. Oh, yeah, but, and like, I answered some things I couldn't. Some things I couldn't answer, <laughs> you know? Some of them were, like— um, and I would say, you know, boy, this is a, a really tough one, and we're going to do our best— in what we can understand, but I don't have 
fully the answer to See, this. See, I, I think the heart behind that's really good. It's like, it's important to ask questions, like the hard questions, because a lot of uh, fundamental ideologies don't really give room for questions, um, especially like the Western evangelical Christianity is, I mean, there's answers to everything. There's answers to ghosts and it's demons, right? There's answers to dinosaurs. Like Satan put them there to make the earth look old. Oh, right? I've never, I never heard that one. <laughs> I never heard that I, one. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, what part of Leviticus was that in? I don't remember reading that. Uh, it's, it's, that was always a but fun I, one. But I think the on the flip side of that, there's always the opportunity that, man, um, we're all just we're all just trying to. And I feel like I am better for it. I feel like I am a better person because of it. Yeah. I feel like um, you know, that there the church is doing the church, if you use the the air quotations, the big church is doing so many better, so many good things than they are so many more good things than they are bad things if you want to put it on a scale. I mean, I hate that that analogy, but I, I, just, I mean, I hate that. Just bleeding the um, needle to the right a little bit. I mean, I I think they're still the largest volunteer organization in the world. They still are the biggest hospitality. Yeah, but a lot of that's through you shame, know? though. You can, you can, I guess we can say that's through shame or it's through, you know, true yes. hospitality or guilt. The heart of it exists, but like prosperity gospel also exists. You know, and I think that's still... The, you can say that. That's. I'm not going to defend. I don't know. We'll see. Them. Like, I can't but, defend all. But your, but your, your um, uh, experience is so different than like the vast majority because like you, you, like you belong to a great church, and like the heart of who you are. If that was like perpetuated in the actual church, my God, the change that we would see in the world would be outrageous. You. <laughs> Are not the regular example, Ben. Like it, you, you are an anomaly, Christian, is what I call you. Like you're, you're, you're the one that I really like. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I used to say that when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, that uh, I would be the person, um, and I told teenagers this: don't do this. Um, but I would be the person my senior year of high school, um, when I was out of high school, that I would go to the party at MSU just to be the guy having fun, but not drinking, <laughs> not having the jello shots, but maybe <laughs> DJing and, and providing the music. Like, that's why I'm a DJ. I'm still a oh, DJ 20 years later because so I want to provide, I want to provide the atmosphere oh. that, but and I want to be a part of that and just show, Hey, that's so you funny. know, I, I can be, I, I can be a part of this because god's like ooh, alcohol consumption that right to hell <laughs> being at a party and but nope you're good as long as you don't drink the alcohol no like i i just knew that i saw well and, i'm just making fun of no too. i know it's I really know. funny and, and for me like i i knew with um my grandma almost died from a drunk driver and so oh, for me gosh. once i decided i was like you know, I'm not going to get drunk, but you know, it doesn't exclude other people. And I was yeah, always the sure. one to show that, Hey, I can be a Christian and still have fun. Yeah. Like, and I can still be, you know, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, so we so you did quaaludes your whole yeah. life. What's what's a quaalude? <laughs> what, what's, you're using words I don't understand. <laughs> oh, everyone listening is gonna laugh. What's it's, a quaalude? It's just a drug. It's oh, not, it's, it's, don't even worry. about it. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna go look it up. Yeah, what's a quaalude? I'll send you a link, and it's gonna be hysterical. So we never even got into the other stuff. So we just kept talking about. Hopefully, you cut out other the, no, all, it, all the. This is gonna be as raw as. Can no, be. Are, you, are you ready for some uh, for some yeah. rapid fire questions? Yeah, because we never got into some of the other. Okay. Stuff, hold on, man. hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions. Hold on. Oh God, I'm an old man. You you never brought up clubbers again. Oh yeah, but it was organic. We don't need to. We don't have to talk about clubbers. All right, so I have a list of questions here, um, and I have this list. It's called questions for strangers. Yeah. Um, but I actually found that um, doing these questions uh, with people I know is actually uh, really great. All right, there's 19 questions here. Um, you get to pick three. Yeah. Um, so, uh, pick, pick a number between one through 19. Has anybody picked 19? Uh, yep. What is the okay. most painful thing you've ever been told? Painful thing that you've ever been told. Yep. Probably, um, which is why I, I never say this at loss. Um, it's the painful thing of, well, God God had a had a reason, mm. and um, I think uh, although I say it, and I try not to say it, but sometimes you know things are ingrained in your brain, yes. or you say it from a stage it's because a rhetoric because it is a rhetoric, um, and I, uh, um, but when my dad died, and it's like, well, you know, God had a reason. Had a reason. And, he had a reason to, and it was like that's take, not take it. Your dad away. That's not. But and by the way, that's not, not biblical. No, it's like not it's loving. not. It's not loving. It's not. It's not biblical. It's not like God had the anyway. So I. That's probably because it, it cuts deep into your belief and into yeah. like everything that you would think about. You know, a good God, mm. and so, um, but the things that people say at funerals i try to i've now i mean but it's taken a long time again i was probably that 25 year old who was saying the wrong things at funerals too but like now i just try to smile and say man that's really tough it's the Mm. rachel and is it uh nope nope who is it what show am i thinking of where he just says just say that's that sucks or oh no it's on uh, parks and rec it's on parks and rec when uh when chris traeger and uh and ann perkins is pregnant and I she's love. oh yeah and, and, and he's trying and to get just, her nipple, he's trying to get her to he's trying to get her nipple cream yeah give her the nipple cream and get her give her all of the <laughs> because you have because yeah. you have pimples on your nipples yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so like he's and, and someone just says you should just look at her and say that sucks, that sucks. because it does because it does yeah and sometimes people just need to know that you recognize that things suck yeah yeah okay what else you got? What, what other what, number? Oh, oh, another number. Um, four is my favorite number. I don't know why. Do you believe in aliens? <laughs> Do I believe in aliens? <sighs> I don't know. Is that an answer though? Uh, is that <laughs> that's by saying yes, maybe. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be. I um. I guess you have to define aliens first, right? Yeah, boy. Oh, yeah. You'd have to define aliens. I, I, extraterrestrials from somewhere else. I mean, 
I would say, like, first of all, I don't really care. Um, doesn't really most matter. of the time, like it doesn't matter to me if they showed up like an Independence Day, then you know I'd care, right? I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> I would be know, that chick I, at the top of oh, the tower, okay. the first one holding the flag. I just got out of my 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 nurse's rotation, and I I'm holding up the flag like, come get me, and then the laser boom shoots. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be the one DJing that party. You would. I'd be the one DJing. Well, see, and we we would go first, but you know, of course, I would be drinking, and you wouldn't be, and you would be supporting. No, I probably me. have a drink. Oh, you would in that oh, moment. Yeah. See, yeah, I Dude. don't believe that's anyway. That's a whole other topic of conversation. Having a drink is not we'll, wrong. We'll do a sh- we'll do a shot of rumple mints yeah. right before we die. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it tastes like toothpaste. Okay. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, what's the next number? What's, what's your final number? This is it. This is it. Pick a good one. Ooh. This is it. This 13. Is it. 13. Lucky. No, we won't no. do that one. Don't okay. do that one. Don't do that one. <laughs> okay. So uh, did you purposely make it 13? Uh, then let's do 12. Just up to the point. If you could go back to your eight-year-old self and tell that kid any one thing, knowing everything you know now, what would you tell him? Hmm. I would probably say I would probably tell him to lean into lean into your emotions more mm. that they are not wrong that uh emotions are given to you by God and that they are they are okay and there will come a time when you need to um need to understand yourself more Mm. um i mean i you know lived by a code of not living by your emotions for a long time. I did too. And <laughs> I literally did. Yeah. Yeah, if Juge ever listens to this, which I don't think she will. Maybe if she knows I'm on. Well, if, <laughs> if anyone, she, was, she would listen to Debs for sure. Oh, yeah. De- listen to Debs and then mine. She, did, she too- did listen to Debs, okay. by the way. She told me. Um, but Juge would tell you, like, I was very logical and I would never mm-hmm. lean into my emotions, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably, because that, that's been the the issue with, so many of my um, relationships uh, in the church, out of the church, my wife, my kids, mm. but that uh, that it's okay. And to understand yourself a little bit better is to lean into some of that. Mm. What would you tell your 15-year-old self? What would I tell my 15-year-old self? Ooh. Um, Probably to invest in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I need to do. Besides, uh, yeah. Besides financial. Uh, besides financial information. Um, man, that is a that is a tough question, man. Why would I tell my fifteen? What was I doing at fifteen? You were cruising for babes. I wasn't. I. That's a whole nother conversation with the you know um, legalism. Um, ah. <laughs> so, uh, I would say, actually, I would say that um, it's okay because I at fifteen. That's when I was starting to um, be around, be around some other people, um, which is great. But I would say at fifteen that um, 
there will come a time when you need to you need to say no to some things and you need to learn to say no to some things to be around your family more mm. to be around your dad more um, even though it's hard but to spend more time with family and that you can you can be with a lot of people because I like to be with a lot of people mm. but um, and this would help now too but that there is still you know your family is a gift and they're not going to be here with you forever um you never know when they're going to be gone and so um of anybody you can spend time with everybody you can spend time trying to help everybody but the people that are closest to you are are your family so don't hurt them and uh and keep them close something like that at 15 if that microphone were to click on and the whole world would hear you for 30 seconds what would you say Mm. last question last question three Um, two one you have 30 seconds go um you have more in common than you think you do that uh there are people and forces that are trying to divide you and uh and unfortunately, when we've been divided, then we've lost. Mm. And uh, I would say to find people around you, things that you have in common, um, and lean into those and stop focusing on what you don't have in common. Stop focusing on all the things that tear you apart and start focusing on the things that bring you together. Because um, I believe what that's what Jesus did and that at the heart that Jesus's um, example brought us together that he died for you he died for me for things that he didn't do um, and that's the best example um, that we should be living by um, and that we can have a home one day because of what he did and because he conquered death that you and I this isn't this isn't all there is um, so um, that we're better together. I don't know, something like that. That was good. <laughs> Thanks, Benny. Yeah. Why did you say Benny? By the way, is that because I've always of, called you Benny? I know, but that's something from like my hit my my past. Is it? Is it? My is family it, is it pulling up like old memories? No, I mean it's good. That's actually good. But only the very few people have I let call me Benny. Because um, very oh, well, few people. I'm gonna call you it either way. And it's so. only close. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I couldn't stop you I if I no wanted to. I have no idea if you're letting me, but it's happening. No, it's it's great. That's that's something that's like an endearing term. Yeah. It's a very endearing term that um, mm. only a very few people from um, my my past and my family know huh. that. And it's uh, and, and and they're now, the all of people. podcast world knows it now. Now they all know it too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so Benny. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. This was uh, this was a blast. Yeah. Thanks for you having realize me on. It's been an hour and forty minutes. Oh man, I didn't. This nobody's gonna listen for this this long. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised, man. It, man it's quick though. I, I'm isn't sorry, it? I rambled. I know it goes so quick. I'm like, how long has even, it been? You didn't even get to any, like you didn't all even... of my questions, but that's that's oh. what I wanted. I wanted the organic 
conversation. That's exactly what this mm. was. And that's perfect. No, it's good. And I'd love to, I'll, oh, I'll be on any, we're coming back. I'll, I'll be on any time. And, and you know, with the guest. Oh you know. yeah. The three, I, we'll definitely do like, a, <laughs> I have this guy named or, Tom Pfeiffer who's come on. I think you've actually listened to him. Um, he, he came on, we've done a few different podcasts. Um, he is a former pastor and now runs in a, uh, like a barista shop and works at a distillery, no longer a pastor. Okay. He's wildly interesting, really intellectual, one of the smartest guys I know. And the conversation between the three of us would be a blast. Mm. It would be a lot of fun. So maybe we'll have him on and we'll do a, a spiritual trauma episode between mm. the three of us. I think that'd be really good. Yeah, that would be fine too. I'm, <laughs> up, I'm up for anything. I mean, really. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Benny. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Bye, everybody.